Thanks for joining us through the Crossbridge Podcast. We hope this message speaks to you wherever you may be on your spiritual journey and helps you take your next step of growth in your relationship with Jesus. For more information about Crossbridge or to speak with one of our ministry team members, please visit crossbridge.church. It's so good to have you here. I hope you guys have been enjoying this beautiful weather that we are having. Praise God. Hey, if uh, Peru online, Ottawa. I've been looking forward to this weekend for so long. We have been talking about it, trying to plan. Uh, I want to brag on our students. You know, the Bible says not to boast in anything but Jesus Christ, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm really proud of our students. I really am. It is, um, it's, it's so humbling. It's a privilege to serve as their pastor. Um, I, am, I am not worthy. I, I can tell you that much. I've just been so blessed by them. Um, anyway, so let, let's, get into, let's get into the message before I start, before I start crying. That'll be, that'll be for later. Uh, so, so the series, the new series, Stepping Stones. Stepping stones. So what on earth could that possibly mean? So I get the privilege of talking about what it means to serve the church. Right now, sometimes as a pastor, that's about as awkward as it is talking about, you know, well, let's have a giving series and let's, you know, and it's, it's, it, that's a hard, that's a hard topic. And, and um, I, I'll be blunt, I'll be upfront. I'm not super comfortable talking about that because I know, I know your time is invested and your finances are invested. It's hard, right? It's hard to ask for, for more sometimes. But we're going we're gonna to dive in and, 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 see, and see, where, see where it takes us. So I'm going to start with a couple questions when it comes to pertaining serving the church. And some of the questions that tend to kind of cross our mind and our heart is one, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to serve the church? Am I in a season in my life where I'm ready for that? Am I ready for that? Some of you maybe have the question, well, how, 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 how do I even get plugged in? How, how do I come to a place where I can get plugged in to serve? Some of you have maybe even said this, maybe years ago we've had pastors, we've had staff members, we've had other volunteers that have come and asked you, hey, would you be willing to serve? Maybe this, well, I, what I have to offer, it's not much, right? Have you ever thought about that? So basically, all of these ideas, it revolves around, I don't have the tools to serve. That's what you convince yourself, is that I don't have the tools to serve. Those tools can mean a number of different things. It can mean your time. It can mean your finances. It can mean gifts and your talents, right? But some of you say, I'm just not there yet. Who remembers a time when there was not GPS on your phone? You had to use a thing called an atlas, right? Yeah. Those were the good old days, weren't they? Yeah, and you had to stop at a gas station and ask for directions, right? How many of you were ever on a road trip? You're on vacation, and you stop in a gas station, and you point to the atlas and say, I need to get here. How do I get there? Did you guys ever hear, well, you can't get there from here? <laughs> right? Have you ever heard that before when you're asking for directions? Well, you can't get there from here. And so when it comes to serving the church, when you have this idea, I don't have what it takes, I'm not ready for that, I don't know where to plug in, what I have to offer, it ain't much, let me, I'm gonna, this is going to be convicting, but when you say I'm not there yet, 
I'm telling you, well, you can't get there from here. You can't get there with that mindset and with that attitude because God has given you gifts and abilities. God has given you things to use for the mission and to build the kingdom. You cannot grow with that mindset. You cannot grow with that mindset. You will never get to where you want to go with that mindset. So how do we get there? How can we get to a place on our journey where we can serve the church with great confidence? Um, who is ready to learn some anatomy? Anybody? Okay, stay, stay with me. You're like, Pastor Harold, good gracious. I, 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 I hope you find this informative. If you have somebody next to you, I want you to poke them in the ribs really hard with your index finger. Go, do it, do it, come on. All right, okay. Now hang on a second before we start any fights. Okay, all right, before we start any fights. Okay, now, I need everybody to, if, you, if you're able, would you get on your feet? Okay, would you get on your feet? All right, thank you. You guys are so gracious. Okay, now, on the count of three, I want you to get in your best fighting stance. Okay, like you got to protect yourself with everything that you got on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three, go. Okay, perfect. Okay, everybody sit down. I'm, I'm never messing with you. All right, you all are mean looking. I, I'll never mess with you. So, did anybody notice any particular reactions when you poked your neighbor in the ribs? What was their reaction? Odds are when you get poked in the ribs, your tendency is to protect, right? If somebody gets you in the side, you kind of curl over. Some of you, when you were doing your fighting stance, as soon as I said three, nobody went <laughs> like this. Everybody went like this. Either, either there's something instinctively, naturally wired inside of you, or you're like trained MMA fighters, okay? But I'm going to put my money on the first one. I think there's something that is internally inside of us that wires us a certain way that when we are in harm, that when something is poking, we, we kind of, we protect. When we are going to fight something, when we want to be on offense and we want to be on guard, we turn sideways. Why is that? Because you naturally make yourself a smaller target. Do you ever think about that? You're learning stuff. Your minds are blown. <laughs> right? Why is that? Why is that? Because I'm sure none of you have went through the UFC classes and maybe some of you have done karate classes. But let me tell you something. When you're in danger... When you feel like you're in harm, when, when, when something is poking you, your natural thought, your natural motion is to protect your solar plex. Because this is where all the important stuff is, your, your heart and your lungs and your intestines. This is, where all the, this is what makes you run as a human being. And so naturally, you protect that. Does that make sense? Right? Does that make sense? Even, even when you're fighting, right? You don't stand like this in a fight, right? You, you, you kind of you curl over. You try to get as small as possible. It's to protect your guts. It's to protect your guts. So why am I telling you all of this? In Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 44. Let me get up some water here. In Mark chapter 6, it says the apostles gathered around uh, gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. 
Then because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and let's get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. That sounds nice. But many who saw them leaving recognized and ran on foot from all the towns and got ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him and said, hey, this is a remote place and it's already very late. Let's send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and, uh, and, uh, excuse me, and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are you going to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? He says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he uh, gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Okay, so maybe some of you have heard this story before. Maybe, maybe if you're brand new and you've never heard this story, what a crazy thing that has just happened. They just fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish, right? That This miracle has taken place. This is usually what this story revolves around. Thinking about, let's think about the big picture, right? So the disciples, they were becoming popular, they were becoming trendy. We noticed that in the passage, it talked about how even when they decided to get away, news had spread and basically everybody was running down the shoreline to kind of catch where they were going, kind of like paparazzi. It had been a long day. The disciples were tired. They wanted their own comfort. It said they wanted to go to a remote location. That's the, that means that's a, that's a place of peace and rest. At the time, the disciples were more focused on their needs. When Jesus said, you give them something to eat, the disciples said, but, 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 but Jesus, that's going to take over a half a year's wages. Are you sure you want to spend that on bread? They were concerned about their, their time and their money, right? They were only concerned about what was going on with them. But there was this word that stuck out in this passage, the word compassion, compassion, Compassion is actually mentioned 12 times in the New Testament. We have an earthly understanding of the word compassion. We've all heard it. Maybe somebody has even described you as a compassionate person. That's a good thing. Our, our, our earthly understanding of compassion is this. Please forgive me. Okay, so how many of you guys back in the day used to watch the Sarah McLaughlin commercials on TV? You know, in the arms of the angels, fly away. You know, the animal commercials, you don't know what I'm talking about? It's like, for 87 cents a day, you can give animal the, the food that it needs, right? Like, that is, our, that is our earthly understanding of compassion. Compassion, to human to human, it just means to feel sorry for right? Like, oh, that really stinks. I feel sorry for them. Man, they're going through a tough season. I feel sorry for them. Like, that's our understanding of compassion. 
But the Greek word compassion in the New Testament uh, is, is actually this. Splunk nizomai. Splunk nizomai. Yeah. Splonk knees. Okay, shh, shh. okay. Right? Splock knees my. Can you guys say that? You need to learn this. Seriously, splock knees my. It's okay. Splock knees my. You guys got this. You're learning Greek. You're like, Harold, I didn't know you knew so much stuff. Splock knees my. Splock knees my. That is the New Testament word for compassion. What does it mean? It means visceral. It means gut-wrenching, emotional response that is so strong, we are physically moved to action. That's a little bit different than, get, than, than, than giving 87 cents a day so animals in need can eat. Gut-wrenching. When it talks about when Jesus saw a crowd and he had compassion, it doesn't just say he felt sorry for. It means that his guts inside his physical body would flip. He had so much pain when he had compassion that he could not be helped but to move to action. You know, there's, there's, there's something about a gut feeling. How many of you guys have ever said that to somebody? Well, I, I got a gut feeling about this. You guys ever used that before? Right? This may be weird, but I would, I would rather trust my gut than my heart. Your heart messes with you. It, it does. But, but, but I, I truly think that there's something to having a gut feeling. How many of you guys have ever seen something or been asked something and you have this gut feeling, well, I should, I should probably do that, and then, and then you don't? Yeah, I've done that. Maybe, maybe you can kind of relate to some of that. Guys, true compassion, splagnismai, or however it is you say it, it shakes you to the core of who you are. But there's something about our core. When we feel threatened, when we feel endangered, when we feel things are poking us, we tend, to, we tend to shrivel. We don't expand. Does that make sense? That's, that's, that's how you're naturally wired. But that still doesn't mean that we don't fight that. Because if we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus, when we read these words, Jesus saw the crowds, he saw the situation, he had compassion. It's not, oh, I feel sorry for. It's everything in my world is stopping until, until, I, can, until I can help, until I can play a part, being moved to action. Let's get down to the core. Um, so, so some of you maybe have heard that uh, the flashes, my wife and I in Summit and our new one to be in a few days, uh, we, we moved just outside of town a couple weeks ago when I was preaching. I was going to make the joke, you know, the flashes are moving, and then that was very distasteful, and I, I'm glad I didn't do that. Okay, um, see, like, all you, you, I mean, already you guys are kind of giving me the what for. Okay, 
<laughs> but, anyway, <laughs> but anyway, so but well, we moved. I, I don't recommend move when moving when you're eight and a half months pregnant, you got a toddler, and you, you know, all, all the things. Ti- timing is everything, right? But the Lord has been blessing us, and we, we're so excited for this next season in our, in our new house. But, but, but one of the things I noticed when we were moving, cleaning out our, our old house was a disaster. And if you've ever moved, and maybe, maybe some of you have maybe moved with some kids, you've moved with a toddler, um, stuff was everywhere. I mean, things were everywhere. During the move, I, I, I found roughly like 50 Hot Wheels. Some had had them stuffed in the refrigerator. They were in the couch. They were under the couch. They were under the entertainment center. And he had them, he had them everywhere. He had them everywhere. But it makes sense. If you know the flashes, you know that we have little summit. It makes sense that when the core of who we are is shaking up and things are moved around, you're going to find some things that naturally should be there. It wasn't a shock to find a bunch of Hot Wheels and to find toys and to find dust and dirt and, and you know, some, maybe some, some bags and some little snack papers that were here and there uh, that should have been thrown away at the time, but they kind of worked their way down into a little crevice of our home. It, 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 it makes sense why those things are there. And so the reason why I bring up that little story, that little illustration, I was like, if things in your life were to just get shook up a little bit, if you were to move, right, just to start to move some things around in your heart and your mind and your soul, what would you find? What would be some of the things that would naturally be there? Your talents and your abilities and where you spend your time and, and, and what you, you know, like all those things, like those are going to be the things that naturally should be there. But what was upsetting me was that we would move the couch and there would just be dust everywhere. And I'm like, Whitney, we have just been living in filth. Like there is just, I mean, like how have we not cleaned this before? Like there is stuff everywhere. Maybe, maybe if you shook up the core of who you were and who you are, maybe, maybe there might be some of that stuff that you might find that you just need to get rid of that you should have thrown away a long time ago, but for some reason it's just kind of worked its way down a little crevice in your life. And, uh, and, 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 and maybe if you shook it up, maybe you would find it. But I think all of us have both of those things. I think all of us have those things that, that obviously that should be there, that, that would be no surprise that we would find. But I think also too, if we were to shake things up, some of us might find some things that we need to drop in the trash. You know, just to kind of go full circle, going back to this idea of, of, of what I have to offer, it's not enough. My talents and abilities aren't there. I'm not there in my walk with Jesus to serve. I'm not here to, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever you have, it matters. Whatever you have, it all matters. You know, I have a saying sometimes that I feel like a catcher in T-ball. Have you guys ever watched a t-ball game and there's a catcher there? There are some times when I am on staff. I, I, I am one of your staff pastors. And there are times and moments when we're sitting around the table and we're planning and we're discussing. And I feel like a catcher in t-ball. I feel like there's nothing that I can offer. I'm like, why am I here? I got all this gear on. Like, I never touch the ball. I, I don't even have to catch it. You, 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 like there are times and there are moments when there are challenges and there are things that are even asked of me and I say, I can't do that. 
There, there is no way, shape, or form that, that, that I can do that. But I, was, but I was convicted this week and I realized that I need to stop saying I feel like a catcher in t-ball because it's derogatory to catchers in t-ball. So if your child is a catcher in t-ball, don't take no offense to that, okay? I'm just making a point. Please don't take offense to that. So this week, as to be honest, it's kind of a joke. I was trying to debunk, I was trying to debunk my thought. And so I got on the internet and I typed in list of most useless sports positions because uh, I was hoping to find a catcher in t-ball on the list. And so I'm Googling, I'm looking at all these lists, you can't find it. I'm like, I'm like there's no way. I mean, who could guess what number one was? It was a lifeguard at a swim meet. That was, that was number one, right? Some of you are like, huh? That was number one. But a catcher in t-ball was not on the list. I'm like, how is, this, how is this possible? How is a catcher in t-ball not even on the list? And so anyway, I was like, well, I got to do some more digging. And so I got back online and I typed in what the responsibilities of a catcher in t-ball are. Because if they're not on the list, that means that they're important. That means that they need to be there. All right. So responsibility of a catcher in t-ball. This role, this role, unlike their baseball equivalent, is to place the ball on the tee, catch the ball periodically, and to tag runners for home base, all right? But here was my epiphany. Nothing can happen in a game of t-ball until the catcher in t-ball places the ball on the tee. Some of you sitting in here, maybe you have been gifted musically. Maybe you have been gifted organizationally. Maybe some of you have just been gifted with hospitality. Maybe some of you been, have been gifted with making meals for families in need. Maybe some of you have been gifted financially. Maybe some of you have been gifted um, for all these different reasons. But there are some of us in the church, because I'm in the church and I feel this way, there are times and there's moments when I feel like a catcher in t-ball. Everybody else has all these other important positions and a lot of weight rides on them. And sometimes I feel here, like I'm standing here thinking, what, what am I supposed to, what, I don't understand. I don't understand how I'm supposed to act and, and be engaged. And, and, and I feel that way sometimes. And, 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 and maybe some of you can relate to, well, what I have to offer, it ain't, it ain't much. But in a game of t-ball, something as simple as t-ball, nothing can happen until the catcher places the ball on the tee. Now, what happens after that? Who knows? But they have to place the ball on the tee. What you can do what you can do, it matters. You know, in the Bible, it talks about the, the church being a body. It talks about the church being a body. Some of us are hands. Some of us are feet. Some of us are legs. Some of us are arms. Some of us are a head, eyes, mouth, nose, right? Some of you are armpits, right? I got to wake you up. I'm just kidding. You're not armpits. 
<laughs> but what scripture is saying is that we all have a part in the process. It takes all of us. It's not just the staff. It's not going to be just Pastor Keith when he gets here. It takes all of us because it all matters. You matter. Your involvement in the kingdom matters. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for this time together. I just thank you for this opportunity uh, to just talk about something that is so important. Serving you and serving the church, serving the mission. Father, here shortly, there will be a, a challenge. There will be a challenge to serve. Father, if there are those that have that gut feeling. God, if there are those that have that feeling that have seen an area of ministry in our church to serve in, but maybe they've been scared, maybe they've been afraid of, well, what will people think of me? Do I have what it takes? Am I able to do that? Am I at the right season in my life to do that? Father, I pray that you would remove the enemy of fear. I pray that you would remove the enemy of doubt and that we could just be obedient in these moments right now. So God, thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do in these next moments. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Crossbridge podcast. The mission of Crossbridge is to lead others into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And we'd love to partner with you on your spiritual journey. So please let us know how we can come alongside you and support you and pray for you by visiting crossbridge.church.